And we're live with Angular Air. Uh, my name is Kent C. Dodds, and I am your host uh, for this Angular podcast, broadcast, podcast, uh, video podcast. <laughs> and uh, we are going to be talking about Angular and module loading. And um, we're really excited to chat about this topic because it's becoming increasingly important um, as the web standards um, standardize and are actually implemented. And so um, we are joined by uh, guest star, uh, Guy Bedford. You want to say hi? Hi, everyone. Um, and then we have uh, our panelists, Jeff Welpley. Hello. And Olivier Com. Hi. And Patrick J.S. Hey, guys. As always with his mustache. <laughs> you need to actually grow one, um, Patrick, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, um, just a couple announcements that we kind of reiterate every time. Um, so next week's show is actually to be announced. We don't actually have it scheduled, but it will happen, and it will happen next week, a week from today, same time, same place. Um, and then, as always, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to keep up with um, what our shows will be. And um, a reminder, uh, we had a T-shirt campaign on Teespring, and that has... Uh, ended at, like about a month or two ago, and actually Olivia is wearing one of those shirts right now. It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, actually, Teespring will keep uh, a campaign, even though the campaign is over. They'll keep the shirts, and if 25 people say that they want to get a shirt, then um, then they'll reprint them. So if you want to get a shirt, um, then just go to the Teespring campaign. It's uh, there's a bitly link, bitly slash ng-arab-shirt. Um, and then same for stickers. You can get some sweet stickers with ng-arab-stickers. Um, so that's that. Um, let's go ahead and get started um, with module loading. So the first good question to, to kick us off uh, for Guy is, what is mo a module in JavaScript, and why are any libraries needed for module loading? So, um, yeah, the interesting thing about modules in JavaScript is up until a month ago, uh, there was no such thing as official modules for JavaScript. So the ES2015 specification was published last month, and it has declared this, this module system ES6 modules. Uh, but every other language, most languages, have module systems built into the programming language. And so for JavaScript, we've had to invent our own. Uh, so in the community, we've got AMD modules. We have script tags that we make sure we put in the right order in the head of the page. And uh, we have the, the CommonJS ecosystem around Node and NPM. So uh, if we want to use these new ES6 modules in browsers and in JavaScript environments today, the problem is that, that none of these environments natively support this module syntax yet. So we need to use uh, tools and libraries to be able to use these modules in, in browsers today uh, and to make that work out. So that, that's, that's very much um, an area of active development at the moment in, in browsers and JavaScript environments. So can you talk to the benefits of modules? Like, what's wrong with the good old script tags on the page? That works sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, script tags are great. Uh, I, I don't think we can, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it works. But um, the, the benefits of modules 
um, I think are fairly proven in, in a lot of different environments and historically in, in programming uh, in terms of adding structure to an application and, and creating ease of use of um, sharing code. And, and I think those are the, the main two things that, that we get out of modules. I'm sure others can, can give a, a lot of justifications as well. Um, but the idea is that you have a single file that is um, explicitly specifying what it needs, um, what it loads, and, uh, and, and you, you're creating this, this strong encapsulation of code. And I think we can all agree that encapsulation and, and portability of code are important principles. Yeah, I think anybody who's built an application of any sort of scale uh, realizes that uh, if you're just going to put script tags on a page, then you have to keep the dependencies in your head, um, and that's just such a pain. So it's really cool that the uh, standards um, are uh, driving us to a module system. So what, um, like, because the, sta the standards are actually, um, like, there is a module system in JavaScript now, why do I care about a library? Um, like, why do I need to have some sort of library that'll do uh, module loading for me? Yeah, the, the, the shift to ES6 modules, is, is it's a massive change in the language. I mean, ES6 is, is a massive change unto itself. Um, and, and in the module system, it's a whole new way of, of making JavaScript run. So um, there, there's, there's various ways of doing that. Um, but if you, if you want to be able to get on board with this new syntax and, and, and benefit from it, uh, there's, there's basically um, two ways to then get that code in the browser, and the one is to, to run through a big build step that takes all those ES6 modules and converts them into, into a script that you can put them in, a script that you can put into the browser. And then the other way, um, which is what we, what we do with the, the module loader, is, is to basically update the browser to be able to know how to load the modules. Um, and it's, it's a slightly more complex approach, um, but it, it provides benefits because the browser is then um, knows what modules that it's loaded. So um, it's, it's kind of two separate ways of, of going about the same thing. Uh, does it have a cost in terms of performance to use the GSPM instead of a build step? Right. So the, the, the idea is that if, you, if you're taking all your modules and and bundling them up into one big script, that's, that's going to be your, your best performing way of running code in the browser. Um, and if, you, if you're loading code, um, if you're loading modules separately in the browser, it's, it's a very different type of loading profile. Uh, so, so yeah, there definitely are some performance considerations around that. Uh, but the idea is that um, in, in the future, the, the browser will have the ability to do that kind of module loading natively. So then it will be possible to, to optimize that the sort of dynamic loading of modules because it will be optimized at, at the core level of, of JavaScript itself. So maybe uh, we started to touch on the some of the libraries involved, like JSPM or um, VS6 module loader. Uh, you're heavily involved in kind of three of those projects, do you want to kind of go over some of the uh, libraries that you're involved with and, and where they kind of lie relative to one another? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it is uh, a quite uh, big project and, and, and cover a lot of area. Um, the, the easiest way to introduce the projects is actually to start uh, with the beginning, which is the module loader, which we just touched on briefly. Uh, and 
the, the modulator sort of comes out of this problem that you have, which is you've got this, this specification committee coming up with a new way of doing modules in JavaScript. So the question is, how do you make these modules load inside of a, a JavaScript environment? Um, how, what, what do we tell the browsers to implement? And uh, there's, there's a number of problems around this. And the thing is, if, if browsers just implement ES6 modules natively tomorrow, no one's going to be able to use them because it needs to be compatible with the existing code we have today. So loading ES6 modules on their own isn't enough. You need to be able to load existing CommonJS, um, existing AMD, um, and you need to have all, all the features that we expect from, from these ecosystems. So uh, what the spec authors did was they, they aligned with the extensible web manifesto and created a sort of a, a loader pipeline that you can hook into. And that allows then loading all different module formats in the browser. And so that's a sort of a path into a future of, of loading ES6 modules along with all these other module formats and ecosystems and, and supporting everything. And the, the insight that led to um, a lot of this work was the fact that this, this specification that they were coming up with, it was possible to polyfill it. It was possible to actually make it work in browsers today. So you could build on top of that API uh, that, that loads um, all these different module formats uh, as if it's already in existence. And, and that's what the ES6 module lo uh, loader is. And then System.js is a project which builds on top of that. And it basically provides those compatibility layers for loading CommonJS modules and AMD modules, uh, very much inspired by the work on RequireJS. And uh, JSPM is the, the sort of more ambitious project building on top of System.js, which is, is then a package manager that puts the browser first and, and puts the System.js at the very core um, and, and, and trying to do that in, in a very open way. So I hope that explains it. But yeah, let me know if you've um, got any more questions on that. Yeah, that, uh, I think that kind of gives us a, a good uh, foundation. So I think the question that a lot of people are wondering to themselves is, why JSPM? Why can't we just use NPM or Bower? Why do we need another package manager? Yeah, and I, I know it's incredibly frustrating uh, when you see all these different projects doing things in completely different ways. Uh, on, on the one hand, that's really important because as we're developing JavaScript and, and developing browsers, it's, it's really important to have competing systems that can, that can all uh, show different approaches, and, and we can test them out, and people can use them, and we can see what works and what doesn't. Uh, it's, it would be incredibly worrying to me if we only had one system. So, um, but, but that aside, um, the benefits of, um, of JSPM itself, uh, the, the idea is to try and build on that solid foundation of, of where things are going to be in the future. And um, that's based on, on the spec. And the spec is still very much developing. It, it's not yet confirmed. So there, there is still a degree of uncertainty around that. Um, but, but there's some very important concepts around developing that spec and some very important, um, like, by, by having a, a working implementation and being able to, to move forward on, on this future that the spec is proposing, it allows us to... Um, to, to really explore the space, and I think that's important. So what's the, uh, I, I guess I've kind of got two questions. One is, um, what's the role of, of JSPM, and how does that serve the spec better? Um, and then my other question that's sort of related, but sort of not, maybe I should save it, but I'll just I'll throw it out there so you can answer if you like. Um, 
once the the specification has like has been solidified and we're like five years down the road or two years down the road and, and all browsers are are using this, everybody's on Evergreen. Life is awesome for web developers. Um, this glorious feature. Um, where what's the role of System JS and and JSPM in in that world? Does it still exist to uh, do polyfills for the next version of JavaScript or um, like or is it no longer necessary? So sorry, kind of two questions in one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, JSPM is very much. Um, if you look at existing package management around NPM and and tooling around NPM, it's it's tooling that that takes takes the Node ecosystem, extends it to the browser, and brings it down into the browser. So JSPM is a chance to explore. If we start with the browser, what can we do then? And because there was nothing in its space um, when I when I started, um, that's uh, an, an important perspective um, to have in in these problems. Uh, and then, yeah, in in terms of t two to five years time, uh, I think I, what I would love to be able to see is that when we're dealing with all these build tools and transpilation processes and different module systems and different ways of putting together apps, um, for us to reach a point where the setup, that, that, that foundation is, is somehow stable um, and invisible even, it would be great if I could just start writing code, importing other code into my code and, and not have to think about what module formats I'm interoperating with um, what what level of ES6 other other pieces of code are using and how I have to convert them to, to work in my final app. I think if we can if we can try and tackle the, these modularity problems really well, um, be it be it through JSPM or if that inspires something else, um, to to reach a point where where these problems can can yeah be solved and and, and become things that that are more invisible. And yes, it, it does. If if it's your underlying tool. When it goes wrong, then you have to step down into the rabbit hole. Um, but uh, yeah, it would be great if if that can if that can be um, something that becomes very easy. Cool. So you you definitely see JSPM or or some maybe something else that it inspires uh, being something that like we're always developing with for the rest of of uh, the life of JavaScript. Um, so even when when the standards are, are done and finished, it still is kind of acting as our intermediate, um, as our I guess liaison between the different um, packages that we're using in our project. Is that kind of uh, the vision there? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, like you use Git as a as a tool. Um, a, a package manager is is as much an important part of, of the development process. Cool. Um, so I know. Oh, sorry, Olivier. Did you have something? No, no. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so we we've got a lot of really good questions in here that Patrick I know is dying to ask. So I'm going to turn this over to, to um, Patrick. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll just start off with a few questions. Like, um, in the past, Google and a lot of people have been advocating um, that we should be using this async attributes with script tags. And everyone's saying that the browser is smart enough now. Um, 
with something like System.js, um, are you able to at least like interact with these scripts in some way or form? Like because the idea is that uh, they are inside the DOM and then they load asynchronously, which is great. But then how do you know that they're done? Um, and how does that work with uh, System.js? Right. Uh, so yeah, System.js when you, when you load a module, it it wants to be loading that module for you. And uh, so if, you, if you've inserted one of these async script tags into the page, how does it know that it, it's loaded or loading? Um, uh, the, so if you, the, the one type of script that it would, it would support in, in that case would obviously be a global. So if you, if you were loading a, a global, uh, that would be accessible, but then you would need to hook onto the onload event. Um, the, the the other thing you could potentially be loading is a bundle, um, but yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure what the what the use case would be for that in in collaboration with System.js, unless you were dealing with a um, so the, there's there's a proposal in the in the um, for loading modules in browsers where it, it'll be a new type of script tag, so instead of a normal script tag where you can write normal JavaScript. It'll be a, a script type module tag, and you'll be able to actually write ES6 code inside of that. Um, so potentially, if you had a, 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 an async script loading ES6 or something like that, um, that would certainly be um, supported. All right, cool. Um, so like nowadays, um, you can't go to production without having a build set, like. Um, you're going to have to minify your code. If there's nothing that's like just standard now. Um, so what about because what is there a way to take advantage of that build set um, to work in tangent with uh, System JS? For example, like every like TypeScript, uh, ESX, and everything they compile down to um, ES5. Um, is there a way to just have System JS load that with ES5 without including the ES6 module loader? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So you mean uh, to, to to load your your ES6 code without without using a module loader, or uh, specifying that it's specifying that the code is um, ES5 or System.js, so that way it doesn't um, load it again, assuming it's ES6, and then looking for any like uh, syntax that corresponds to it. Um, yeah. So um, the 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 idea of um, the module loaders is you can enable the browser to be able to load ES6 today, so that it'll actually transpile it in the browser, and then um, for a production workflow because you you don't want to be transpiling in the browser in production obviously, so um, it, it's kind of a nice easy way to get started with ES6 and experiment with it like a demo. Um, but in, in reality, you, you want to be converting ES6 into a module format that, that the browser will be able to understand uh, today. So we, we have this, um, uh, there's a few things you can do with that. And you can convert ES6 into CommonJS. You can uh, convert ES6 into a, into a big bundle. Um, and you can also convert it into this, this format that's specific to System.js. Uh, it's a special module format that's recreates the semantics of ES6 modules uh, and the way that they behave exactly uh, and the way that the circular references and bindings behave 
and it, it recreates that, and then you can convert into this format and, and load it in the browser. Um, it still requires the module loader, but you can remove the ES6 loading functionality from the module loader. Yeah, uh, that's that basically what I was putting it. Um, so, like, for production builds, like, what would you do? Uh, so, yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, you could, uh, in System.js, that's the sort of workflow we recommend, which is compiling into this, this bundle that, that uses, it compiles CommonJS, AMD, and ES6 into this kind of shared format that can be understood for all of them in the browser. Uh, but but it, it can just create a big bundle, or it can do that as separate files. So what kind of tool uh, do you use to, uh, like, for that um, building and compiling? Like, do you, is it Babel, and uh, what do you use for the bundling? Is it Webpack or Browserify, or does JSPM kind of have its own thing? Yeah, so th that format I was talking about, um, you can use Babel um, or Tracer or TypeScript, and they will all convert ES6 into other formats. So you can do the CommonJS conversion, uh, and then you can also do the conversion into this format um, that's compatible with System.js, and that's the, it's called the System Output in Babel, um, and and that's a format that will then natively load in the module loader um, when 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 using System.js, um, and then System.js does have its own build tool as well, and the specific use case of that is basically when you've got multi-format dependency trees. So if I'm loading ES6 that's loading AMD that's loading CommonJS, and I want to be able to bundle everything up and, and, and handle everything together, and that's the System.js Builder project, which is kind of a companion project for it. OK, so it's similar. So the System.js um, uh, build uh, build project is similar in some ways to maybe a browser fire web or Webpack? Exactly, yeah. OK, cool. So I had a question about uh, Angular 2. Uh, how did you react when you saw that Google was using SystemJS for Angular 2? Did yeah. they ask you before? Or? Um, no, I actually, I just saw it. Um, I think a user in the chat room linked me to it, and I, I hadn't heard about it or known that it was going on. Um, but yeah, very, very much a pleasant surprise to see. And uh, that's very much what, it, what attracted me to working on the web, was this fact that you can, you can build something, you can make something, and uh, publish it to the world, and then you see people pick it up and use it. And, and that's what makes it really fun, uh, makes it really rewarding. Um, yeah, so certainly nice. Um, I, I'm not sure like um, how much to, to pin to it, or um, uh, I, I get the impression that they they're very much experimenting with it. So I'm, I'm doing my best to work with them and, and make sure we can uh, provide a good experience around that. Um, but we'll we'll see what they how how that works out for them. Have you collaborated with them very much, or um, has it mostly just been like, oh, this is a nice project, we'll just use it? Yeah, it's, it's just been through uh, community members messaging me in on things and, and um, asking for assistance in, in various areas. But um, uh, And then I just do my best to sort of follow what where it's going with it and making sure that um, I'm not breaking anything this side. OK, nice. Um, 
And what do you think of uh, other module bundling libraries such as uh, Webpack and Browserify? And do you see them as competitors, or do you like to pick good stuff and include it in, in your own libraries? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's definitely they are um, competing projects, um, but like, I, I think competition is a very healthy thing, and it's it, it's really important to having a healthy ecosystem. Um, and I and as I said earlier, I know it can get very frustrating for users, um, but you know, so many good ideas um, in in Webpack, so many good ideas in Browserify and. Um, I think learning from those is, is incredibly valuable. Learning from Acquire.js is incredibly valuable. Um, uh, yeah, in, in terms of um, their, their approaches, uh, as I said, System.js was heavily inspired by the work on Require.js that James Burke did. Um, and uh, uh, like in terms of Webpack, um, it's... Uh, I think they've, they've got an amazing workflow around the hot reloading stuff, and, and we're still sort of trying to get something uh, similar in JSPM. Uh, Glenn Madden's been working on some hot reloading around it, and there's, there's a number of projects that are doing some interesting things in that space. Um, but, yeah, very, very interesting to see. Um, yeah. Um. Cool. So... <clears throat> You know, what, <clears throat> like web development has been changing rapidly in the beginning. Um, like in the beginning, when you know starting web development, you would say "hello world" and you would wrap it in p tags, and that would just be your markup, and that was great. But then now it's like um, "hello world," cool story, and then okay, now install Node, now install Gulp, now install System.js, and uh, do the whole universe before you can start doing anything now. Um, so would you say, like you mentioned this earlier, um, is JSPM like a, a direction of like, like fixing that problem of allowing people to easily uh, go from Hello World to actual application without any like <coughs> friction? Yeah, um, the, the there's definitely um, a, a worry there that like the as we raise the the bar to get started with web development, are we making it harder for newcomers to the platform? And that, that's certainly something that, that we need to put a lot of thought to as we jump into these new technologies and get all excited about them. We need to make sure that that, 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 that experience of coming into to, um, contributing to the web is something that, that's, that's very welcoming to all users. Um, so that, that's, it's, it's very much a goal of JSFM, and in fact, one of the most surprising things of the project has been that um, a lot of people who use it are new to the web and, and new to JavaScript, and that surprised me as a maintainer because I was expecting all, all these advanced users, and then um, it, we, we've got a, a lot of people who are very new to the platform. So, so making that, that experience easy for newcomers is, is really important. Um, yeah, I, as I say, ideally it would be great if these tools can become invisible, and that, that's very much, I think, for the, for the web to be like a really nice platform, this level of tooling needs to become really, really invisible and, and be easy. Um, and, you know, ideally it should all just run in a web browser, and you should just be able to um, e easily build for the web. Um, but 
yeah, uh, it's uh, in the process of getting there. Uh, it's it's certainly uh, a, a fair amount of work um, to make sure we can pull it off. Okay, so I was wondering, do you work on this uh, by yourself uh, for your company, or is it just a side project? I don't know. It, it, it looks like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Uh, so I basically started off as a kind of a, a, a sort of a research project, um, subsidized like uh, like you would consider working on a, a PhD or something. Um, and uh, I thought, well, you know, there's, there's no interesting PhD topics that are interesting me, so I, I sort of worked on thought I'd work on the web. Um, and uh, and then as the project became more popular, I've had to subsidize um, subsidize the work by basically forgoing income, um, but the 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 way the um, you know consulting works these days is um, you know you can very much pick the lifestyle you want to live, and this is the the work that interests me and that I enjoy working on, and and I really enjoyed working on the project today. So, so I don't know if I uh, remember this right, but I, I think when you spoke at Mountain West a couple years ago, you had talked about a previous project before the ESX module loader that uh, you worked on something similar that didn't work out as well. Um, you know, can you talk about a little bit of the frustration of, like, working on open source? That, like, you talked about, like, the year you gave up a lot, right, to, um, to kind of something that you're passionate about. And uh, can you talk about a little bit of that, that growth from, you know, spending a lot of time and effort and not getting much payback to finally, like, now I think a lot of the stuff you're working on is very much uh, being appreciated and being used. Yeah, uh, so as, as I said, when I like started working on um, open source, uh, I sort of looked at it like doing a PhD or something. I thought, okay, I'm going to invest this time. Uh, and back back then, it was the thing to do was build a, a framework uh, before Angular even. And um, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a dirty word now to say that, that you built a framework or something. But yeah, I, I built this framework up and uh, was dealing with, with a lot of the problems of uh, things we're dealing with today, a universal rendering, so rendering on client and server, um, how you load modules in both environments and make sure that they render up um, correctly. Um, and uh, a lot of those sort of problems. And I, I built this system entirely on top of Require.js. And then uh, Browserify and, and other tooling took off on the Node ecosystem. And I realized that this wasn't a stable foundation that I built my whole framework and everything on top of. And that was, yeah, that, that was incredibly difficult to realize. Um, the, uh, the goal with JSPM was very much fed by that, that I wanted to build a, the, the platform that I would have liked to have built my framework on top of and, and to solve those, those modular problems. Um, and, and as I say, it is, it is quite an ambitious project, and um, it, it's, it's great to see it being picked up. Uh, I'm just doing my best to make sure I can fulfill the goals and, and work on it in a sustainable way. So as I say, it's um, subsidized by, by consulting work, um, but it's, it seemed to work pretty well so far. Well, I can tell you many people really, really, really appreciate your work, and as people are start using these uh, kind of leading-edge technologies, 
um, more and more people will appreciate what you've done. Um, <clears throat> so I actually wanted to get a little bit more technical. I think uh, people are interested in, in knowing how things work. So do you think that you could give us an overview of how, um, how uh, um, JSPM and SystemJS, um, how they work technically um, to, so that we kind of understand um, maybe some use cases for using these things? Um, as well as just kind of it's fun to talk about how things are actually working behind the scenes. Sure. Um, so SystemJS as a loader, it's, it's very similar to RequireJS. The thing it does differently is um, it, it's able to load, um, so it'll actually load your um, JavaScript as, as separate files. And that's kind of based on the on the way that the spec works. So its its default mode is is loading all your JavaScripts as separate files. So you you load a module, it sees that it's got some dependencies, it then sends a new request to load those dependencies, and then it it repeats this process down the tree. And those modules can be of any module format: CommonJS, AMD, uh, ES6 globals, and it'll manage the the interactions, um, the interop, so that you're, you're loading the formats from each other in the right way, and circular references work out and everything like that. So that's the, the default mode of, of SystemJS. Um, to optimize that, we can build a bundle that will then populate its internal registry. So it has a registry which is like a table that stores all the module, modules in the browser. And the bundle, we pre-populate that table and then you can still load new things on top of that, and it won't duplicate what's already in the table. So you get that dependency tree deduping. Uh, really quick, um, just so that I can validate my assumption. So first off, the, the reason that your um, the default behavior is to load scripts separately is that, and you mentioned this is because the spec is, are you talking specifically about HTTP2 um, support? It's, it's it's specifically that's the way the spec is designed to work. So it's building on the way that a module loader would run in the browser. But then the question is, um, yeah, how do how do you optimize that? And uh, so the one optimization is bundling. Um, HTTP two also provides another optimization. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, how that works, what you can do is um, you can make sure that you're able to request all the modules in that tree in parallel. And there's no limit on the number of requests you can make. And then the browser is able to cache each of those modules separately. Uh, it's still kind of yet to be determined if this is going to give the exact same performance as bundling. And, and this is sort of the big question at the moment is, is, is bundling always going to be preferable, or is it, is it better to, to use HTTP2? There's a lot of benefits to HTTP2 because with the bundle, if I change one line of code, I have to rebuild the whole bundle, and all my users have to now re-download all the code again. Whereas if it's just one module, and I change it, um, users only need to get that, that new module separately. So um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and that's very true. Actually, I, I just barely yesterday built an optimization to overcome that, that challenge, because 
like in my project, I have Angular and I have jQuery and I have Lodash and all these huge libraries. And uh, and every single time I want to ship new code, even if I change a single line, uh, I, I use Webpack, and so it packages it all up, sends it back to the user, and now they have to download this huge thing just because I changed one line of code. And so the optimization I had to make myself, like work I had to do myself, um, was uh, at build time or, or at deploy time, we add these scripts up um, to our index.html that have CDNs pointing to those different um, those different things, and then just have my bundle that depends on the globals from that, which is a bit of a pain uh, to have to do yourself. So having something built in uh, via the spec or from JSPM and and uh, and System.js is is super handy. Yeah, as I say, the HTTP2 workflow, um, it has a lot of benefits because if, when you build your bundles, you have to think about what code goes in each bundle, how to optimize that for loading, and then you might have a situation where you want different code to run for different languages, different devices, and you have to then create all these different bundle combinations, and that gets very complex. So HTTP2 cuts out all those issues because you just load exactly what you need and um, but as I say, what's yet to be determined that because it's such a new thing, um, if if the browsers are going to, it really depends on if if the browser implementers optimize HTTP two enough that that it can really be fast and and beat bundling. Because you don't want to take a, a performance hit there either. So that's kind of the thing to watch at the moment. Okay. So you you were explaining how. SMGS works. Yeah, so that's hopefully that's a rough introduction to SystemJS, um, if that makes some sense. Um, and then JSPM, the idea with JSPM was um, the package manager understands the same dependency tree that that SystemJS is using. So it's it has um, a convention around your um, your module structure, and it understands your module graph. So the package manager, because the package manager understands your module graph. It can install new code, and you only need to write one require to, to use it. So I can say install Angular, and then require Angular. And um, because of that that link between the package manager and the module loader, um, you're able to do that in a single require. Um, and so it's it's very important to have that that link uh, for that reason. Uh, and then very much just building the the optimizations around that. So it's a standard package manager that will download your dependencies, and um, it, it creates a, a configuration file for System.js. Um, because System.js is a browser loader, uh, when you require something in Node.js, uh, you require a, a local module, it'll check the folder for a file.js. If it doesn't find it, it'll check for um, the file with a, a JSON extension, or um, it'll look for a binary or it'll check the a directory by that name, um, and then go through the node modules um, folders. So we've got this resolution algorithm that's statting the file system for each require. Uh, with System.js, it's, it starts from the browser. So when you require something, it sends a request directly for where it thinks that thing is. Uh, so the question is, well, wh where does it look look for the module? And so you have to base it on uh, it has to have the ability to know exactly where to find the module. So there's this configuration which tells it, if I request 
um, a module that starts with this path, look for it at this URL. Um, and then uh, other configurations to basically allow that full flexibility. So there's a one-to-one -one relationship between your request, um, your require, and, and your actual module request. And, and JSP manages that for you so that everything hopefully just kind of works. And to be honest, the hardest problem is the compatibility. The hardest problem is, is making existing code work today. So we have all this code on NPM, all, all these, these global scripts that we're using and the AMD code. And JSPM then tries to support all of those existing, uh, existing ecosystems. And that, that's, that's probably one of the hardest parts, because it has to work out that's what something is and then be able to support it in the right way. So we, we support NPM and we support AMD. And when it goes wrong, it does go horribly wrong. Um, but it, it works um, a good high 90% of the time, um, which, is, which is nice. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that explains JSPM briefly. Um, but certainly, if you have any more questions on it. Well, I had, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Olivier. Uh, so I was just wondering uh, so you have a registry um, currently. Um, I, actually, no, I have a better question uh, that I, I'd forgotten now I remember. So, what about uh, like. Uh, CSS and other kinds of resources like that. So I, I can load JavaScript, but for the browser, um, like I also care about CSS. Like if I'm loading Bootstrap or something, um, does JSPM take care of loading uh, those CSS files? So I can just say require Bootstrap, and boom, everything's there that I need, including CSS. Or do I have to do extra stuff for that? So you used a very interesting example, actually, because it used to be that you would do JSPM install Bootstrap, and then you'd write import bootstrap, and you would get bootstrap and the CSS, and it would all work like that. Um, so we, we have a, a CSS loader uh, that, that treats CSS as a module dependency as part of the, the module graph. And um, that, that can be useful in, in a number of scenarios, because you can write a component with a, a CSS dependency. And then it's very easy to to bundle that component and know what CSS goes along with it when it's treated as, as part of the same module system. Uh, the, the problem we had with Bootstrap was that a lot of users customize Bootstrap. So and th these are the kind of practical issues that you only really hit when, when you, you, you get to use this stuff um, quite deeply. Um, uh, users cu were customizing the CSS of Bootstrap, and then they didn't want the original CSS file included. So that, that, that modular CSS paradigm it's, it's very much an adjustment to the way that we think and write about um, uh, the way we load CSS. Um, and there's also some interesting work. So, so Webpack has um, a, a CSS loader that supports this uh, new type of modular CSS syntax. And uh, there's been some, some work in the open around CSS modules um, in post-CSS so that there's um, and that's also supported in uh, JSPM. Glenn Madden's been doing some work on that. But it's still very much under development. And it would allow the ability to write more modular CSS files uh, in, in a way that would be um, compatible with, with treating CSS like a module. And so that, that works really interesting to see where it goes. Um, but the short answer is yes, you can load other resources. Cool, thanks. So we are starting to uh, run down on our time. Um, so if anybody has last questions, or uh, Guy, if you had any 
uh, anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to touch on, um, now is the time. <laughs> so, how is it to is it to write uh, plugins for System.js if you want to to write your own extension or something? If you want to include the specific files. Or... Okay. Uh, the the plugins actually it, so System.js has a plugin system, and it's very much built around the same like strong encapsulation principles that your plugin is a module itself. And a, a plugin is it exposes some some hooks that allow you to, for example, alter the source of the, the code being loaded or alter the fetch algorithm. So if you wanted to, to fetch it in a different way, uh, so you can hook into those hooks. It's they're relatively simple. Um, for example, a uh, a JSX plugin or a, a template loading plugin will typically be about five lines of code. Uh, it's, it's just hooking that translate method. Okay, so let's say that um, I write a library that uh, allows me to load Angular modules, and I want to hijack uh, the loading of JS files and say, oh, this is Angular, give it to me, and I will do my thing and never give it to, back to the user. Is it possible? Uh, yeah, so you could fully intercept a module load um, and, and then return a custom module back at the end of it. And then there's ways of, of supporting builds with that. Um, but it certainly, uh, it, it depends on the, on the use case. The easy use case is the translation. When you start fully intercepting, then you need to think carefully about how that works with bundling and, and things like that. Um, but if you're playing around with it and, and ever want to uh, discuss it, I'm, I'm usually available in the, the Gitter room or on the issue queue, so please post a message and I can help yeah. you out with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. So was there anything else that you wanted to mention, Guy, before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I hope it's it's been a, an okay summary. It's, it's a very vast area and very much, I, I think that the important point is that um, a lot of this stuff is, is under development and um, it's, um, it, it's really exciting to be working on it and um, I think like I'm, I'm really doing, uh, hoping that I'm able to work on it in a sustainable way and to continue to support it to the level it needs to be supported. Um, but th for, for people to realize that this is something that um, we're, we're all working out and, and that uh, to, to look at it critically, uh, think of it makes sense, and, and also to, to, there's room to contribute as well. Cool. Thank you. Um, so. Um, let's go ahead and move into the Q&A. So we have, uh, and Olivia, you totally reminded me to, to mention this at the beginning of the show, and I totally forgot. <laughs> but we do accept questions. Uh, we no longer do the questions in the Hangout, although I think I still have that app on, so let me open it real quick. Um, yeah, so no questions in the Hangout. But we do have a question on Twitter. So this is the, way, the new way that we're doing questions on Angular Air is via Twitter with the hashtag, hashtag question, um, all one word. And so, oh, looks like there is a question so, um, in the Q&A app. So I'm not seeing. Oh, there we go. 
Oh, they're a couple. Holy moly, from uh, Jurgen. So, yeah, I'll ask the Twitter question really quick, and then uh, I'll answer, or I'll, we'll go through some of Jurgen's questions, um, and then we'll speed through our tips and picks because uh, this has just been such an interesting episode that we're maybe go over. Okay, so the question is uh, from Jim Cummins. What's the timeline for TypeScript, Angular 2, JSPM with bundling? So TypeScript 1.5 yesterday comes with support for this system.register output format, this, this format that's compatible with system.js for converting ES6 into. And we, we've got TypeScript support in, in JSPM and system.js today, uh, but the bundling workflows are, are still not quite there yet. Uh, so if, if you're writing TypeScript and loading it, there, there's still some issues that people are hitting. That the, the workflows aren't completely polished. Um, so we're we're prioritizing this workflow to to make sure that type TypeScript is a is a smooth development workflow. Uh, I would love to be able to to have it working really smoothly in in the next coming up uh, JSPM release, but it, it's it's very difficult to to guarantee a timeline on these sort of things, unfortunately. Um, but there's, there's a number of us working on, on this area and, and, and working to improve it. Yeah, it's difficult to timeline things, especially when you're not getting paid to do it. <laughs> you're foregoing income to do it. We really appreciate you doing that. Uh, OK, so we have a couple of questions in the Hangout. So um, the first question is, and I'll just read it verbatim. Um, first of all, a huge thumbs up uh, for the uh, for all the work that Guy has done, JSPM works incredibly well. In fact, it works so well that I'm wondering, what is the biggest challenge that JSPM has not solved yet, or what feature would be considered not stable? Um, so there's a lot more optimizations we can do for builds. Um, there's also some really cool stuff that I want to do around conditional loading. So for example, if you have a mobile app that runs one part of your module graph versus a desktop app which uses different, different modules but shares modules, uh, ways of handling that conditional loading. Uh, and that's, that's a problem which I've been working on for a while, but hope to, to make part of the core experience. Um, there's also, the, the hardest part of JSPM is actually, as I said, dealing with the compatibility of existing code when existing code doesn't work with it and making that easier for first-time users because you'll, you'll, if you load something and it doesn't work, um, the experience around that. Um, and then also as the spec is updating, uh, driving out spec changes. So there's a new system.js update being pushed through into JSPM at the moment. And that's, that's a massive update that's going to take a few months and then also is a breaking change on uh, on the server side as well. So there's there are actually a lot of big changes coming through, um, and, and it is a, a stable way to to users. Um, but it is really great to hear the experience is, is seemingly stable. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Uh, so next question: What browsers are currently supported? So for any module format, it supports IE8+, uh, but ES6 modules, typically the transpilers only support IE9 um, or IE10 even. Uh, so, um, but, but yes, it, it is a base level support. Cool. Um, next question, what is, uh, what's the best way to support development of JSPM? 
it's uh, the it's a great help having uh, users giving feedback. Um, the, the bug reports are, are incredibly useful. Uh, it, it takes a lot of energy and time. Uh, so companies that use it and find it valuable in their workflow, um, if they have issues and, um, and, and want direct help from me, that, that can support both financially to the project and, and um, solve issues more quickly. Um, uh, but yeah, just working out how to make that sustainable. Contributors are always incredibly welcome as well. There's a number of issues in the issue queue that, that are um, labeled as contributions welcome, and um, it's it's certainly that there are more issues than we have man hours. So um, so help is always very welcome. Cool. Uh, and then finally. What's the best way to use TypeScript with JSPM? I think uh, TypeScript 1.5 kind of helps with this. Yeah, exactly. So when you first use JSPM and, and create a project, it'll it, it, uh, you run JSPM in it, and it'll say, which transpiler do you want to use? And TypeScript is one of those options. As mentioned earlier, bundling isn't fully supported yet. So um, And it's got a note about that, but uh, we're working on it. Cool. Thanks for all your work. Uh, tons of work. Um, we did get another question on the Twitters with the hashtag ngair question. So it's from Andreas Grimm, and his question is, is the Angular team, in, in addition um, to System.js, intending to use, use JSPM as well? Uh, I don't know if you, whether you know the answer to that question or not. Yeah, I haven't. Uh been following that too closely. Um, I don't know if others know better as well. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much just supporting it from the side as I can. I'm not involved in the decision-making process. Sure. OK, and Andreas asked yet another question. Uh, today, what is the best or most efficient practice to use the JSPM link workflow in terms of performance? This is one thing I'm not familiar with, but I imagine you are. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we have, uh, like you have on with NPM, there's a sort of a linking workflow for working with local code, and it is, it's really bad. Um, it's, it's one of the areas that's in need of a, um, a major refactoring, and that, that as part of this new system.js upgrade, uh, that'll be getting a lot better, um, but uh, certainly that there are some, some rough edges around that at the moment, so um, if, if you having issues, please post, post an issue, and I'll do my best to, to look into it. OK, awesome. Uh, so that is it for our Twitter. But we did get another question So uh, in the Hangout. So in the future, I'm going to turn off the Hangout questions, because this is confusing. Just use Twitter. But <laughs> the question is, will there be a book about the library anytime soon? Sorry, I missed that. Will there be a book about the library anytime soon? Um, yeah, well, for there to be a book, it needs to be finished first. So I'm, I'm just focusing on that part. Um, and hopefully, uh, at some point in the next year or so, it'll, it'll be possible to, to sort of say, OK, that's, that's the features. Um, but it, 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 it keeps extending. Um, but yeah, hopefully. Nice. That's, um, I, I don't know. If somebody asked if there was going to be a book about a library I wrote, I'd be super flattered. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, all right, so I think we're going to move to the tips and picks. Uh, I will keep the questions open because I think um, Q&A is kind of fun. So um, 
But yeah, let's just go ahead and um, I'll let Guy, you can go last, um, and we'll start with uh, Patrick JS. Um, picks and tips, please. Yeah, so my first pick is Sprinkle Camp, and that's basically a program where uh, it allows you to ship your side project. Essentially, it's like a hackathon, but afterwards you get a growth team, and they actually help you grow your project. Um, so that's really cool. The other one is um, StackShare, and that's uh, basically a website where you're able to share your stack and see other services, and you're able to compare like different services. And um, it's great, especially now because like there's services for pretty much everything now. Um, and my tip is basically this quote: um, "There's there's two the two biggest obstacles to to learning is thinking I know that." and thinking, I disagree. So basically, when you catch yourself thinking that way, you should really, um, you should catch yourself th not thinking that way, basically. Because that's like the, one of the biggest things, saying, oh, this guy is talking about something that I already know, so I'm just going to tune out. Like, that's the biggest way to, like, not learn anything. So. Yeah, I was totally just tuning you out. What did you say? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that, but I disagree. <laughs> that's that's the other troll. So my friend and I, like, we, we started doing this. Like, we say, I know that, and I disagree. Do everything, because it applies to everything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, like, it's like a thing we, we made it to that one. So, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, Olivier, do you have uh, picks and tips for us? Yep. Uh, so I have one about my company. We just raised uh, three and half a million dollars, euros, and I'm really happy about that, so I wanted to congratulate my my company, <laughs> my startup. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, and uh, the name is Olimetrics, if you want to know. Uh, and uh, the other one is, uh, I told you in previous shows about Angular Buddies on uh, Slack, and um, Pocket, uh, the one who is behind Angular Buddies, just released a website where you can ask questions and get help from the people on Slack. Uh, and he did a really good job. So if you need help on Angular for something, uh, you can just uh, go to news.angularbuddies.com. I will post the link and uh, ask questions or help people about Angular. Cool, thanks. Um, I'll go ahead and go next. So my uh, pick is um, skating, like rollerblading, like street skating. Um, I, in my heart of hearts, am a street skater. And um, Pascal Precht actually uh, inspired me to buy myself some new rollerblades um, since I've been without them for years. And I got them yesterday and just rollerbladed in my um, on my driveway yesterday, and I'm super stoked. So if you're looking for a way to balance your life um, and find more joy in this life and maybe more pain, um, then look into getting yourself a pair of um, street skates. Good stuff. Um, my next pick is um, LDS Temple. So I'm a Latter-day Saint, and I go to the temple fairly regularly. Uh, and it's just such a beautiful building. So even if you're not a member of uh, the Latter-day Saint faith, um, it's like inspiring to go to one of these buildings and just walk around, and uh, you know it makes you feel good. So uh, temples.lds.org uh, will show you where they all are, and, and you, uh, it's likely that you have one uh, close to you. 
Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, Jeff, what do you have for us? So I've been uh, working pretty much the past two years uh, to build this new uh, platform for my job at uh, GetHuman. And so we finally just released it. So if you go to GetHuman.com and there's a couple other related sites, answers.givethanks for. Uh, it's basically all new stuff. Um, really helpful if you ever have those problems and you're trying to actually get in touch with the company, uh, you can check us out. And uh, my other pick, uh, support tools that are out there now that uh, just make it really easy, much easier than a couple years ago, last major deployment I did uh, for monitoring your app and everything like that. So it just, I'll, I'll put some links in for some of the big ones that I use for um, New Relic and Sentry, uh, which is an awesome error um, tracking tool. Google Analytics stuff that I use. So I'll throw a bunch of links in there uh, for all that. Cool, thanks. Um, and Guy, what do you have for us by way of picks and tips? Yeah, no, after all the, the JSPM talk, uh, actually uh, ES6 tool for using ES6 without any of this um, other tooling, um, Rich Harris has a great project called Rollup, uh, which will take a bunch of ES6 modules and, and turn them into one script and do a lot of really good optimizations around that. So if you're looking to just play with ES6 modules um, in, in a really lightweight way, um, it's, it's a really great project, and we're looking at integrating it into JSPM some more as well. I'll send the link for that. Um, and then uh, the tip I just wanted to say, um, with all the, like, uh, tooling um, in JavaScript and everything, it's it's very easy to, to kind of jump in at the deep end and, and start using all these technologies. Um, but it's, it's so important to also just, just do those beginner tutorials and, and get those basics so, um, so cracked. So like, um, uh, yeah, don't, don't forget the basics. Uh, and and to, to really understand JavaScript, to, to learn ES6, it, it can be beneficial to start learning ES5 really well. Uh, and, and making sure you understand prototypes and, and, and closures and, and things like that really well. Uh, so yeah, don't forget the basics. Great, and I think understanding ES5 will help you understand ES6 as well. So that's awesome. Okay, uh, so that is it. Let me double check our questions. We don't have any in the Hangout, um, and we don't have any in Twitter. So before we get any more, I'm just going to close this. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so I'll just go ahead with uh, the closing announcements. Uh, again, next show is in a week from today, uh, and it's to be announced. It's so exciting that we haven't actually quite solidified plans yet, um, but it is going to happen a week from today. And uh, as always, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to keep up with the latest. We're at Angular Air. Um, and uh, if you want an Angular Air T-shirt, because they're super awesome, Teespring. Uh, yeah, Olivier's got that. Uh, Teespring has uh, the campaign sort of still open, so if 25 people say that they want the shirt, then they'll reprint them. So just go to the bit.ly link, uh, bit.ly slash ng-air-t-shirt. Um, and then same for stickers, except dash stickers. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. So um, just want to say thank you very much, Guy, for coming on the show. Really appreciate all the work that you do um, to push the web forward. Uh, push standards. Um, I think that's really great, and um, I myself am great for the work that you do. So thank you, and thank you for coming on the show. Sure. Thanks so much for having me.
Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, man. Cheers.